Well, surprise! It's Granny D. Dorcas Smith again today. It was supposed to be Nikki, but she's got a CanFit Pro meeting that's hot and heavy, and she can't get away. So, guess who's covering? We will continue today where I left off yesterday with sleep. So, if you are interested in the sleep conversation, then I might have your attention. This is Dorcas Smith out of Plymouth, Michigan. I'm a retired teacher and um, have been involved with this Body Burn 30 TR90 lifestyle change weight management call now since, oh, probably eight years. It's a long time. And it's all Brian's fault, so you can blame him. In the meantime... (laughs) I'm hoping you're well, that your progress is coming along the way it should. And today, I am going to be continuing with Brain Rules with John Medina, 12 Principles for Surviving, Thriving at Work, Home, and School, and we're going back to sleep. And sleep is really an amazing thing that needs to be on a regular basis for you to function well, and for you to learn. And let me go back to where we were yesterday when I was talking about the rat who had electrodes in his head when he fell asleep. When the rat goes to sleep, it begins to replay the maze pattern sequence. The animal's brain replays what it has learned while it slumbers, reminiscent of of the accountant who kept announcing to his wife, as I described yesterday, all the work that he had done during the day. The mouse is always executing the pattern in a specific stage of sleep. Sleep. The rat repeats it over and over and over again, and much faster than during the day. The rate is so furious, the sequence is replayed, a thousand, is replayed thousands of times. If a nasty graduate student decides to wake up the rat during that stage, called slow wave sleep, something equally extraordinary is observed. The, dra- the rat has trouble remembering the maze the, the maze the next day. Quite literally, the rat seems to be consolidating the day's learning the night after that learning occurred, and the interruption of that sleep disrupts the learning cycle. So, and that is the, hold on, the slow wave sleep. The the rat's reaction and the forgetting naturally caused researchers to ask whether the same thing was true of, of humans. The answer, I'm sure you've already figured it out. Not only do we do such processing, but we do it in a far more complex fashion. Like the rat, humans appear to replay certain daily learning experiences at night during the slow wave set stage. But unlike the rat, more emotionally charged memories appear to replay at a different stage in the sleep cycle. These findings represent a bombshell of idea of an idea. Some kind of offline processing is occurring at night. Is it possible that the reason we need to sleep is simply to shut off the exterior world for a while? 
allowing us to divert more attentional resources to our cognitive interiors. Is it possible that the reason we need to sleep is so that we can learn? It sounds compelling. But of course, the real world of research is much messier. Many findings appear to complicate, if not fully contradict, the idea of offline processing. For example, brain-damaged individuals who lack the ability to sleep in the slow-wave phase nonetheless have normal, even improved memory. So do individuals whose REM sleep is suppressed by antidepressant medications. Exactly how to reconcile this data with the previous findings is a subject of intense scientific debate. What's always needed is more research, but not just at the lab bench. Let's look at ideas. What if businesses and schools took the sleep needs of their employees and their students really seriously? What would a modern office building look like? What would a school look like? These are not idle questions. The effects of sleep deprivation are thought to cost U.S. businesses more than $100 billion a year. And of course, Medina has always a few ideas ripe for real-world research. We have chronotypes. Chronotypes are the types of sleepers. A number of behavioral tests can discriminate larks from owls, from hummingbirds, fairly easily. Now, I bet you get what I'm talking about. Larks, owls, and hummingbirds, which are you? And given advances in genetic research, you may in the future need only a blood test to characterize your process C or process S graphs. The bottom line is we can determine the hours when a person is likely to experience his or her major productivity peaks. Here's an obvious idea. What if chronotypes were matched to work schedules? 20% of the workforce is already at a suboptimal productivity. Let's try that again. 20% of the workforce is already at suboptimal productivity in the current 9-to-5 work model. What if we created several work schedules based on the chronotypes of the employees? We might gain more productivity and a greater quality of life for those poor and those with those unfortunate employees who otherwise are doomed to carry a permanent sleep debt. We might get more productive use out of our buildings if they remained open instead of lying dormant half the night. A business of the future will need to become involved in some aspect of its employees' sleep schedules. We could do the same in education. Teachers are just as likely to be late chronotypes as their students. Why not put them together? Would you, incre- would you increase the competencies of the teacher, the students, free of the nagging consequences of their sleep depths, sleep depths? Their educational experiences might become more robust simply because each was more fully capable of mo- mobilizing his or her God-given IQ.
variable schedules would also take advantage of the fact that sleep needs change throughout a person's life. For example, data suggests that students temporarily shift to more of an owlish chronotype as they, trans, as they transit through their teenage years. This has led some school districts to start their high school classes after 9 a.m. This may make some sense. Sleep hormones, such as the problem, such as the protein melatonin, are at their maximum levels in the teenage brain. The natural tendency of these kids is to sleep more, especially in the morning. As we age, we tend to get less sleep. And some evidence suggests that we need less sleep too. An employee who starts out with her greatest productivity in one schedule may, as the years go by, keep a similar high level of input simply by switching to a new schedule. Interesting. You might need to change your schedule to, to suit your learning and functioning style. So, promote naps. To embrace the midday nap zone, engineers at Metro Naps have created a nap-on-the-go device called a sleep pod. It looks like a sperm that got electrocuted, exclaimed one person upon seeing the device for the first time. Actually, the pods are portable glorified recliners that can fit into an office, complete with light-canceling visors, noise-canceling earphones, and heat-canceling circulation coils, and at more than $14,000 each, budget-canceling prices. The company, based in New York, has pods in four countries and is busy expanding its business. Others are bringing naps into the workplace, too. Hotels with stacked bed nap salons have sprung up all over Japan. A Boston-based researcher named William Anthony is trying to create National Napping Day, a day set aside so that everybody can take a nap. He finds that 70% of Americans who admit, who admit to being workplace nappers still have to take their naps in secret. The favored, favored, the favored clandestine venue the back seat of the employee's car at lunch. What if businesses and schools took seriously the existence of nap zones? No meetings or classes would ever be scheduled at the time when the C, process C and the process S curves are flatlined. No high-demand presentations and no critical exams would be assigned anywhere near the collision of these two curves. Instead, there would be a deliberately planned downshifts. Sorry. Instead, there would be deliberately planned downshifts. Naps would be accorded the same diff deference that businesses reluctantly treat lunch or even potty breaks, a, necess a necessary nod to an employee's biological needs. Companies nap each workday. Hold on. Companies would create a designated space for employees to take a one-half-hour nap each workday. The advantage would be straightforward. People hired for their intellectual strength would be allowed to keep that strength in tip-top shape. 
what other management strategy will improve people's performance 34% in just 26 minutes, says Mark Rosekind, the NASA scientist who conducted the, that eye-opening research on naps and pilot performance. A 26-minute nap for a pilot improved their driving or their flying performance by 34%. That's pretty impressive. So, here's the message. Try sleeping on it. Given the data about a good night's rest, organizations might tackle their most intractable problems by having the entire solving team go on a mini-retreat. Once arrived, the employees would be presented with the problem and asked to think about solutions. But, but they would not start coming to conclusions or even begin starting or sharing ideas with each other before they had slept at least eight hours. And when they awoke, would the same increase in problem-solving rates avail in the lab also be available to that team? We ought to find out, don't you think? And here we come to what sleep is all about. Sleep. Rule number seven. Sleep well, think well. So here are the four concepts that we've been talking about. One, the brain is in a constant state of tension between the cells and the chemicals that try to put you to sleep and the cells and the chemicals that try to keep you awake. There's always a little battle going on. Two, the neurons in your brain show rigorous rhythmical activity when you're asleep, perhaps replaying what you learned during that day, and I quite think so. Three, people vary in how much sleep they need and when they prefer to get it, but the biological drive for an afternoon nap is universal. And four, loss of sleep hurts attention. Your executive function, your working memory, your mood, your quantitative skills, your logical reasoning, and even motor dexterity. So, make sure you get enough sleep. And that seems to be at least seven hours a night. And if you can take a nap during the day, do it because 26 minutes of napping will improve your performance by 34%. All right, so I'm going to stop. It is time to end. Next time, I'm going to start on stress. Rule eight, stress brains don't learn the same way. So we're going to find out why we struggle to learn when we are stressed. And of course, then you can go back to your sleep concept and how you can calm yourself so that you can sleep, so that you can learn better. Isn't that an interesting thought? All righty then. Let me stop for the day. There you go. Sleep. This is Granny D. Dorcas Smith signing out. I hope that this information is of use to you and that you had a good listen this morning. Be well, God bless, and thanks for being with me.
Oh my, what a quiet day. You're all gone. I hope you are well. Thank you for listening. 10 o'clock is One Team Global. And thank you, Brian, for your all your technical wizardry and Frank Lomas for all the stuff you do in recording. And, and Susan thank you. For, thank you for jumping ahead. in. Sorry. I'm listening. I love the call. I'm glad you're there. Thank you, Victoria, for being there, for speaking and being one of our new um, meditate or leaders in, in, in the calls. We do appreciate your leadership and we love your medication calls. I want you to know I really look forward to them. So I'm thanking Susan Mann, Victoria Perper, Nikki Coyne, Frank Lomas, Brian Curry, and I think, the, and of course myself for all the calls we do to make this work. Thank you for being there. Have a great day. And we'll talk to you tomorrow. It might be a Zoom day tomorrow, so be prepared. We'll see what happens. All right, Nikki couldn't make it today, so I was able to jump in. It's all good. Thanks, everybody. Be well, God bless, and lots of love. Thank you. Love you, too. Bye. Bye.